0: Okay, we're going to do something um, really unique. We've talked about doing it before, but we haven't done it before. Uh, I have around the table here Dan Herbster, who is one of our elders at Faith Family Church, also historian for the 101st Airborne. I am Kyle Sharon, the preaching pastor at Faith Family Church. We have Kent Shepherd, uh, one of our small group leaders, also preached a faithful message last week, good word, He's also a warrant officer in the U.S. Army. So we're going to talk about the sermon today. By the way, brother, thank you for that faithful exposition. Praise That's the Lord! Great. We're going to talk about the sermon today, and uh, I'm going to ask you some questions, and then we're just going to we're going to talk through some things. So first, uh, Kent, how was how was the exposition helpful for you?
1: Well, first off, Pastor Dan, I did a phenomenal job. I mean, just so faithful, and I think you picked a great book uh, going through First John. Just that very, very simple Greek, that, that Christian litmus test. Um, I, I really liked your intro, how you talked about the truth and the light and the love. And I know that you, you said you don't care very much for alliterations, but when you broke it down with the age, the antichrist, the anointed, you're able to take you know quite a few verses of scripture and break them up into tangible chunks so we can look at, really reflect upon ourselves. How are we standing for truth? What's the age that's going, going on that we're currently living in, and how should the anointed respond to that? So phenomenal message. It was really, really a blessing to me.
2: Praise the Lord. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that was helpful because that, honestly, I find that this is the hardest part. It's finding a structure so that I can understand what's really there and that some people will get, uh, take something away from it. And.
0: Okay, let's talk about this particular text. It's not a light one. So John poses the question, what time is it? My kids are always asking, is it dinner time? <laughs> is it dinner time? Well, John says here, it's antichrist time. So throughout the text, we have singular, plural, going back and forth. Singular, Antichrist, plural, Antichrists, with an S on the end. So let's let's talk about first Antichrist, this pseudo-Christ that was in the text, this devil's darling, this satanic Superman. And, um, you know, the question that's often answered and addressed during this text is who is the Antichrist? And people have had made all kinds of... Wild and strange speculations as to who he is. I've heard uh, Franklin T. Roosevelt. I've heard Mussolini. I've heard the Antichrist was Hitler, Stalin. I've heard the Antichrist was uh, Bill Clinton. I've heard the Antichrist was the Pope, many different popes. Uh, Every U.S. president has been on the suspect list for the Antichrist. It is interesting, church family, to know that the Antichrist is male. So,
2: Ladies, yes. you're off the hook. There exactly. you go. Exactly.
0: It's a, it's a mail. I wanted to read this to you specifically, uh, Dan. John F. Kennedy was a particular candidate for the Antichrist. He was the first Roman Catholic president. He was believed to move according to the Pope's bidding. In the, 1950s, in the 1956 at the Democratic convention, he received, get this, 666 votes. Tragically, Kennedy was shot in Dallas, and many people waited for him to return from the dead to prove his true identity as the Antichrist. So the wild speculations are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even our last president, President Barack Obama, um, on a Sunday before Barack Obama's election, Robert Jeffers, who is a pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, a Southern Baptist Church, said that if President Obama were elected, his victory would lead to the reign of the Antichrist, and I have a quote here. He said, I want you to hear me tonight. I'm not saying that President Obama is the Antichrist. I'm not saying that at all. One reason I know he's not the Antichrist is that the Antichrist is going to have much higher numbers, poll numbers, when he comes. President Obama is not the Antichrist, but what I am saying is this. He is choosing to lead our nation, paving the way for the future reign of the anti-Christ. And, of course, he and others have pointed out that the daily pick three lottery number in Obama's home state of Illinois the day after was 666. So these are just wild and crazy speculations. And I am so glad that you are here to answer exactly for us who is the end.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's going to be a really easy dodge because we don't know, uh, and we probably won't know uh, exactly uh, till it, it happens and the Lord's about to come. Uh, but there's a like you've said, throughout church history, there have been all kinds of speculations about who it is. And that the whole point here is not to to uh, predict or accuse. A particular person or anyone of being uh, the lesser antichrist. The point is that we need to be cautious. We need to be wary against false teaching. Um, and then we just uh, trust in the sovereignty of God about as far as how world events are going to play out. Uh, that's the way we've always been. It's not exactly an exciting answer, because a lot of times when we have these prophecies, whether it's the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel that you've been going through so faithfully, we often want to, and even rightly so, intellectually, we're curious about how these things could play out. But the point of, of Revelation is not to... Help us understand exactly how things are going to work out. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a warning for those who uh, rebel against Christ, and it's an encouragement for those who are Christians that they will be vindicated, that they are on the winning side. And the same thing with uh, the Antichrist. The Bible gives us enough to guess that there will be an ultimate Antichrist who will likely be some sort of world political leader or religious leader or some combination of the two. But just like the second return of Christ, Christ says, my coming's gonna be like lightning in the sky. What he's saying is, you don't have to speculate whether it's happened or not. It's gonna be obvious. So if there's any doubt whatsoever, you don't. And the whole point of identifying, of being warned about antichrists, plural, is not to accuse this or that false teacher of being an antichrist or this world leader. It is to be on guard. And sure, when, when someone's clearly uh, a false teacher, we need to be warned about that. But the, the whole teaching on Antichrist is not for speculation. It is for warning and ultimately for encouragement to know that if we're in Christ, we are on the winning side. That's
0: good. So we'll jump to Antichrist plural in just a moment, but do you have anything else to add? Antichrist, since he didn't give us an answer. Do you, do you know
1: who it <laughs> Good is? political answer. No, no I absolutely yep. don't know. Um, but you know, spoiler alert: in the end, Jesus wins, and yes, uh, Satan is going to be cast into a lake of fire. So we yes. look at the book of Revelation with a blessed hope, no, mm-hmm. knowing that he conquers, and that we have got that future reign of Christ that we can be united with him forever for eternity. Amen. Yes. Yes.
0: So we all agree that it is unwise for a pastor or anyone to say a particular person is the Antichrist.
2: Correct. Would we agree I'd agree. I would agree. I totally okay. agree.
0: So I, I probably shouldn't teach my children that Nick Saban. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. Or Tom yes. Brady. Yeah, I would okay. discourage
2: you against that, okay, brother. Good. Yep. All
0: right. Now let's go to the plural aspect of it. Throughout the text you preached this morning, uh, it mentioned anti-Christ. And so this is, this is a unique word. I think probably John coined this particular word. Um, this is not a 21st century phenomenon, so when we talk about Antichrist, this isn't something that we just have here. The first century church was facing this as well. So c- kind of what threw me in a, in a positive way when you were preaching was um, Antichrists are everywhere. And, and so it, could I actually be shaking hands with someone in church or at an event and, and they are Antichrist? I mean, they're not going to come up to me and say, hello, I, I'm, I'm an Antichrist. I'm one of them. They're not going to have a pitchfork and and horns, but where are these antichrists? Uh, Could they be speaking at conferences? Are they Satan's missionaries?
2: Well, uh, based on all the passages uh, that I looked at that refer to the Antichrist or that principle, they certainly can be dangerous from without the church, but based on today's passage, clearly one uh, threat is from within as well, because he talks about they were part of us. They were enjoying Christian community, probably like the passages in Hebrews where people were are enjoying some aspect of the Christian community, but they fall away because they weren't truly Christians. Uh, so there is that threat of people on the inside. Now again, Similar to the ultimate antichrist, the purpose of this passage is not to accuse people in the church or in other uh, church denominations of being an antichrist, although uh, it's important to talk about the truth and evaluate people's teachings by the word of God. But yes, the, the whole point is to be cautious so that uh, we, we realize that there are people who claim to be Christians could lead us astray and so that all of us have a, an obligation to be discerning uh, regarding false teaching and false teachers
0: you have any
1: thoughts on that, Kent? So when, when you talk to somebody who professes faith in Christ, and then we, we ask them, like you know, how can we tell if somebody is truly a born-again believer? Of course, you've got the fruit component of their faith, but then there's the perseverance. Are they continuing to walk with Christ? Are they continuing to demonstrate that they are a born-again believer? And the same um, kind of methodology can be applied towards these antichrists. Like they may come in, they may have an orthodox um, belief at first, but the, the longer they go, you begin to see they, they start having that errant theology. And, and as John has that litmus test, he said that, um, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So certainly there, there is an aspect that people may be in a, in a point of starting to go in towards errant theology. We may be shaking hands with them. We may be, you know, walking them into the church. But over time, if they are going that route, they're going to be, begin to show that they've got rotten fruit, um, that their theology doesn't align with ours. And the more that we proclaim truth, they will begin to separate themselves from us. Yeah.
2: And of course, it kind of raises an implication. I didn't harp. I just kind of alluded to it, but I didn't have time to go into this. This is one of the many reasons we do church discipline at this church. And folks who've been through our membership class know that uh, the, the reason we do that is out of a heart of love. If someone That's either right. is straying away in their teaching from Christianity or their lifestyle is is showing evidence that they are uh, blatantly disobeying Christ. We have an obligation as as church members to pursue them in love, to seek reconciliation and repentance. And if not, we remove them lovingly from our membership roles with the hope that that would uh,
1: cause them to, to repent and return. Right. And so the, the role of pastor um, mm. in Greek it is a shepherd. Exactly. So, you know, we're called to shepherd the flock, but there's times where we have to fend off from the wolves that are coming in trying mm-hmm. to take away our sheep. So. Uh, we start to see people coming and teaching Aaron theology. We have to stop them in their tracks and let them know that that's not going to fly in the church. Exactly. Good.
0: So, would, would it be fair? I'm asking. Would it be fair to say that wolves and antichrist, plural, are synonymous? Or
2: I'm not sure. I would those say, those say that as I as I, I was going it. as I was studying for this sermon, I thought like, well, are are basically antichrist the same thing as any run-of-the-mill uh, false teacher? Is there is anyone who isn't a believer in one sense an antichrist because by their lifestyle by what they believe they're they're opposing Christ in some shape manner or form so I, I'm, I'm not and I'm just at the end of the day I'm just not exactly sure if it, if uh, it's we need to do that we just know that there there's a, there's a force a spirit of opposition to Christ it often manifests itself in particular people in a special way but uh, even that, whether every non-believer is an antichrist or every false teacher, I'm not sure we need to know. We just need to. I think the whole point is just to be warned, to be that's discerning, good. and to be warned.
0: Mm, that's good. So the antichrist singular is coming to deceive. The antichrist plural is coming to distort. And obviously, they're distorting the message, and mm-hmm. we should not be surprised if they're in the church, or we should not be surprised if they're affecting people that are in the church. So Kent, what what would you do if there's an anti-Christ plural or false teacher, someone that is polluting, they are trying to ravage the sheep? What, What would be an appropriate response to that?
1: So I guess it would depend on the context. Um, If it's somebody that you begin to see who has errant theology, and and they're not kind of certainly they shouldn't be in a leadership position, but you go to them one on one and you talk to them, hey brother, this is where you're kind of going astray. That this is a doctrine that we've been fighting over for the past 1,800 years. We had church councils way back (laughs) in the day that counseled that down, uh, that that cast that down, said it's heresy, and you try to get them on on the track of orthodoxy now if they start to speak in a public setting you know if i'm in my small group and i'm leading my folks and somebody chimes in and they start dropping heresy Mm. i've got the responsibility to stop them in their tracks and to say no that does not fly that that's that's heresy we we need to get back online here so it just depends on the context and and really their sphere of influence and and how they're kind of propagating that that false truth
0: that's good so in every text especially an old testament text we want to um make it christ-centered we're not making it christ-centered we're recognizing that christ completes this particular mm-hmm. text in this old testament story fits somewhere in the unfolding drama of redemption now this is a, a new testament book so obviously it speaks clearly to christ but one of the ways you got to christ uh, i want to kind of kind of speak on um, all throughout the text there was an antichrist with his antichrist plural but how how did um how did herbster spin that to make it christ-centered
1: Oh, well <laughs> He contrasted, and I, I just thought it was a phenomenal contrast when he said that there's the Antichrist singular, there's the Christ singular, and then you've got your Antichrist plural with the Christians. So using that contrast and looking at it, that we've got a bunch of Christians who are supposed to be little Christ, pictures of Christ that are going forward in the world, that there yes. are going to be types of the Antichrist. They, they may not be that specific person, but they represent a component of um, the, the, the heresy or that distortion or the, that perversion of truth that he's trying to spread
0: yes that's excellent okay and then towards the end we'll finish up here but you had three applications uh one of them i really loved i liked them all but one of them <laughs> i really liked um tr- truth matters and just that emphasis of what are we doing with our time and this coronavirus mm-hmm. this covid 19 time period are we
2: just binge watching on netflix or do yes. we have some time in there for you know yes. scripture reading or I mean,
0: wait do we yeah. have time for both I mean, because I'm binge-watching. I find a a way to do both. So, you know, I
2: I think each person needs to discern that on their own.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, we need to take advantage. And why is it when we have the most free time Mm. that we are the least disciplined? Yep. Mm. you know and so let you know finding times and we, we want to give our, our people some time here do you have anything to add on the first application truth matters before we get to the second
1: so something I always tell people is we shouldn't major in the minors mm. and so if you're always focusing on the minors and mm. what that stuff is looking like we, we have to know what the true doctrine the true, go- true oh, gospel the, the things of the faith that we have to defend if we know that then we're, we're easily um, we're able to discern mm. when those false falsehoods come to the church
2: best best illustration of that i've ever heard is that uh f- for training bank tellers to spot counterfeits yes. the, the best way is not to expose them to lots of counterfeits but to make them know the real thing so well right. that they can they can spot a counterfeit i think that and i've heard that used i'm not the first person to come up with that but i think it's a great way to know that i mean there's some benefit in studying different cults or false teachings out there but the most important thing read your bible study your bible listen to good teaching and that's gonna do you the most yes. good
0: yeah. That's great. Second application the Spirit is real. So, um,
2: we, we, we folks who are more doctrinally inclined, I think, need to be reminded of yeah, that every yeah. now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Let's just people that are reformed that sure. have a high yeah. view of the sovereignty. Not that everybody of
2: God. in the church is reformed, right. of course. People that have yeah. a high view
0: of the sovereignty of God, um, they, they tend to neg- neglect the, the Spirit's power, or at mm-hmm. least it comes, it comes across that way. Sure. So, we, we don't want to be guilty of that. But this is, uh, just as the first application was huge, people can go mm. off on tangents that, as Kent, you said, that were not the main core doctrines. Mm-hmm. You know, they can go wow. off on endless speculations. But the second application, um, people can place such an emphasis on the spirit that you wonder if there are other members of the Trinity. And could you, could you speak to that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... Um one of my favorite quotes from John MacArthur is, is: He said, "If you show me a church who is obsessed with the Holy Spirit, I will show you a church that does not have Him, uh, because the function of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Christ and not to Himself. So, we have to really understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how He's influencing us, informing our conscience, and comforting us, guiding us, growing us into into Christ's image and our sanctification. So." Yes, he he is within us. He, he indwells us. But um, it's it's not for chaos. We should have a sober view of what the Holy Spirit does in each of us, and understand that He's there to 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 keep us uh, persevering. Um, so
0: does um would does Jesus and God shine the spotlight on the Holy Spirit, or how do, how does that work biblically?
1: So biblically, the Holy Spirit shines a spotlight on Christ, right. and and then Christ reveals the Father to us. So it, it's it's a it's a progression of sorts, and that you know, regeneration is a function of the Holy Spirit that he makes us Mm -hmm. new and and he keeps us. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I think it's got that that proper flow, but in the Trinity, um, all of them work together Mm -hmm. um, as the Godhead. Mm -hmm. All of them have specific roles and functions. I'm not gonna come out and do a a whole theology (laughs) of of the Trinity, Um, we'll be here all day, but yeah. Yes,
0: that's good, that's great. And the Spirit is real, and I thought this was was interesting as well. Your last application, the last hour, um and are we living in the last hour what are some implications of that what comfort do we have knowing that we could be facing some difficult knowing that a lot of our people how does let me ask you this question both of you yeah how does this passage comfort some of our people with with the with knowing application two, the spirit is real and that this is the last hour how does this passage comfort our people we, we've got people that have lost their jobs mm-hmm. We have people who own their own businesses, and, and they're not gonna, it's not gonna mess them up missing a month of, of checks, but they have, they're having to lay off their employees,
2: mm-hmm, and
0: that's difficult for yeah. them. We have people, maybe husbands and wives, that are at home, and this is the first time they've spent some time together in a long time, and they found out, man, my marriage isn't near as strong as I thought it was. Um, so there's just a lot of stressful things. Um, last hour type stresses Mm. that we're going through what what are some what are some comforts from this passage and some comforts we can pull from this well
2: yeah i think it's just comforting to know that um it doesn't make everything just warm and fuzzy but to know that everything is proceeding according to the plan of god to to get geeky and quote star wars you know everything is proceeding as i have foreseen in god uh he everything is proceeding according to plan that includes the, the the difficult, the um, heartbreaking, the unjust, not because God's responsible for that, but because we live in a fallen world and in his perfect plan, he has an appointed time when everything will be uh, solved. And so we know that while we all have a great reminder that we are out of control, even despite our, our modern advances of, of humanity. We're still subject to the threats of weather, like tornadoes, and of germs, like viruses. Um, so there's a limit to our power and our control. And we're kind of learning that as a, as a species here uh, on planet Earth. And so it uh, hopefully will uh, cause us to run to the rock that is higher than we are, to quote the the psalm. And we can be comforted in knowing that everything is proceeding according to God's plan, even these difficult things. And so then it just falls on us to control what we can control, which is we can be good stewards of this. John Piper um, uh, wrote a great book called Don't Waste Your Life. And then he wrote a follow-up article on that when he was diagnosed with cancer called Don't Waste Your Cancer. We could all be asking don't waste your coronavirus. What are we doing during our downtime? What are we doing with the fear and the panic that's going on in the world today? Um, How can we be a good steward of this? This is why I love the parable of the unjust steward uh, that you preached on within the last year, I believe. The the point is not be crooked and underhanded in all your business dealings. The point is be shrewd in investing this temporary life of ours for eternal dividends, for
1: eternal uh, investment.
0: Do you have any
1: thoughts on that? So I think that we have to frame the way that we interpret what's going on with uh, biblical theology of the fall and and look at the fact that death is going to come to all of us. And and so, you know, with the curse that went to Adam, um, God said to him that, you know by thorns and thistles you will work the land by the sweat of your brow you will you will eat bread and so we have to understand that there's nothing that's ever going to be easy there's a toil that all of us are going to go through and and this is part of the toil we are in a period of toil right now toil right now that's a result of the fall and while i think you know we're looking at the year 2020 medical science is phenomenal uh, we have a very sterile view of, of, of mortality, um, whereas 200 years ago, this would have been commonplace. This type of thing was happening all the time. So we're, we're coming face to face with the fact that every single one of us are going to die. Yes. And that mortality is is a fact for, for each of us. So in light of that, how are we then going to live mm. um, in these times to bring the most glory to Christ, um, to see the gospel go forward rather than just, you know, get all woe is me type mindset?
0: Yes. It's great. Well, man, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for taking this time uh, last minute to talk about the sermon. And again, I just want to emphasize, so helpful. I feasted today. I haven't eaten anything physically today. I'm about (laughs) to go back and and eat a buffet of of some snacks when I get home. But uh, I have feasted spiritually. I want to thank you for faithfully doing that. Uh, Our people, we're going to share the sermon today along with the podcast. Matthew will get all of that up. And one helpful thing you could do as well it's just as Kant answered, this was one thing in the sermon that really helped me, helped me God ministered to me, or this was one thing about the character of God that was revealed or the Antichrist that was revealed. You may want to post that as well. Here's how I was helped from today's sermon. Uh, that way we can all share in one another's speech. Or discuss with your families
2: if you gather yes. together. To get, um... Yes, yep, that would be
0: absolutely. great as well. Okay, God bless. Thank you, man.
2: Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.